Happy Easter. As most of you know, Easter in the church is celebrated for 50 days because it's the biggest celebration of our entire year. It's the celebration of the truth that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God and that he brought to this sinful fallen world the full power of salvation, of God's love through his passion, death, and resurrection. The experience of Jesus' resurrection for his first followers about 2,000 years ago in the scripture is set over 50 days. So that's what we do. We enter into that same framework and we try to focus on what Jesus' first disciples experienced, his resurrection, his appearances to them, his return to heaven when he ascends, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost when the power of his resurrection is breathed into them. You don't have to know a lot about Jesus to do this. You just focus on what we hear Sunday by Sunday, follow along the experience of the first disciples, and see what the connections are to us today. We're praying during this season that the grace of Jesus' resurrection, which is totally real, it's really alive on this planet through the Holy Spirit, that we'll be open to it and that we'll cooperate with it. We are Jesus' disciples today. A disciple in the scripture is someone who doesn't just learn from a teacher. A disciple is someone who follows his or her teacher. So I think you guys know this. In the Gospels, we are told a lot about Jesus' first disciples. We're told more about their limitations than about anybody else because they're not nearly perfect people. They're regular people. They've got strengths. They've got many, many weaknesses. We're supposed to be able to relate to both the strengths and the weaknesses. The 12 are from the many, many followers of Jesus, the many disciples, his closest followers. He chooses them to ultimately become leaders of the entire church. These 12 are real people, and so we hear more about their limitations in the Gospels than about any of the other followers of Jesus. At the extreme, Judas is one of Jesus' disciples. He's chosen by Jesus to be a leader. In some ways, I'm sure he does really follow Jesus, but ultimately, he betrays Jesus. In the scripture we hear today, and this is really beautiful for the celebration of the Eucharist for the first time for some of us, we're invited to focus on Peter. I think you'll remember this. Peter is the person Jesus chooses from all the disciples, from all the closest 12, to be the first of the 12. He tells Peter, ultimately, you're going to be the rock on whom I build my church. So again, the pattern follows. In the Gospels, we hear a lot about Peter's limitations. You may remember this. When Peter first encounters the power of God in Jesus, he says honestly right away, Lord, I'm a sinful man, because he is a sinful man. When Jesus tells his 12 that he, Jesus, is going to have to suffer and be killed, Peter says that should never happen. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He's not saying that Peter's the devil, but you're thinking the way the devil would. The devil would like Jesus not to enter into his passion because the devil doesn't want salvation to come to the world. Peter has lots of strengths. He has lots of weaknesses. So when you go home today and this week, check this out. In the Gospel of John, in the 13th chapter of John, 
It's part of the Last Supper account. Jesus is telling his disciples, his closest followers, that he has to go, that he's going away. They sort of understand this, and there's a whole lot of mystery. Peter, in the 13th chapter, says to Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you, Peter, can't follow me now. Later, you will follow me. So a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going somewhere, but you can't follow me. Peter says, why can't I follow you now? I would lay down my life for you. Peter really loves Jesus. He wants to follow him wherever he's going from the Last Supper. Why can't I follow you? I would lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, will you lay down your life for me? I tell you, Peter, I'm paraphrasing here, I tell you, tonight, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. So I think everyone can get this. Peter is a follower of Jesus. Jesus is going somewhere after the Last Supper. Peter is absolutely sure he can follow wherever Jesus is going. Peter says, I would lay down my life for you. I am so much your follower. And he asks the question, why can't I follow you now? The 18th chapter of John, Jesus has left the Last Supper. Jesus gets arrested by his enemies and he's brought to the house of the high priest. Peter and another one of the disciples follow Jesus physically. They get into the courtyard of the high priest. Jesus is inside being interrogated. They're let in and it's cold out. The servants and the guards of the high priest make a charcoal fire. Does everyone know what charcoal is? Everyone, really? It's this black stuff that your Uncle Hector uses in the backyard for cooking hamburgers. They make a charcoal fire, which by the way, it's really smelly, and charcoal fire. They make the fire and they warm themselves around the fire. Peter joins them. The scripture writer twice in this chapter repeats that Peter warms himself. The gatekeeper asks Peter, are you, you're not one of his disciples, are you? And Peter says, I am not. Peter's so afraid of what's going on that Peter who just said, I would lay down my life for you, denies one time that, Jesus, that he's a disciple of Jesus. Then he's asked again by someone else, aren't you that man's disciple? What does Peter say? I am not. Denial number two. Then a person who is connected with one of the servants whose ear Peter cuts off when Jesus is arrested says, weren't you with him in the garden? And Peter denies it. And then the cock crows, the rooster crows. Peter realizes, I have denied Jesus three times before the cock crows. I said I would lay down my life for him. I say I'm his disciple, but in fact, I can't follow him. That question Peter asked was a very good question. Why can't I follow you now? Well, because he's weak, because he exaggerates his strength, because it turns out that Jesus's torture is incredibly terrifying. There are probably a lot of reasons. 
And I bet that Peter holds on to that question. Why didn't I follow him? When life got so hard, why didn't I follow him? Okay, you still with me, still with me, still with me? Say yes or I'll start again. Excellent, it's a revival. Okay, we just heard from the 21st chapter of John in the gospel passage. Please reread this this week. Just reread it. You can get it off our social media. Just look at the details. The details in the different resurrection accounts of Jesus are different. These gospel writers were not writing a history that all adds up. The details are also important. So they don't all add up, but each account you read, look at the details. What might the gospel writer, what might God have been trying to tell us through these gospel writers? Okay, Jesus has already risen from the dead. His disciples are gathered at the Sea of Tiberias. Did anyone catch how many disciples are there? Seven. The gospel writer picked a number for a reason. I mean, why tell us it's seven? Because in the Bible, seven means perfect. It means complete. It's also associated with healing and it's associated with exoneration. Jesus has risen from the dead. Peter says, I'm going fishing. They all get into the boat, they go out and they fish. It's at night. They don't catch anything. Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias, but like in a lot of the accounts of his resurrection, they don't at first recognize that it's Jesus. He asks them the question, have you caught anything to eat? They say, no, we haven't. He says, throw the net off the side of the boat and you'll find something. They throw the net off the side of the boat and what happens? It's filled with fish. It ends up being a count of 153 fish. No definitive answer on what that means. But all these fish, and so they're overwhelmed by the fish they realize it's Jesus because of all the connections with miraculous catches, fish. Peter jumps into the water to get to Jesus really fast. They all get in to the shore, and what do they find Jesus has waiting for them when they get in? Breakfast. What are the two elements of food Jesus has chosen of all the things there are to eat? Bread and fish. What are they being cooked on? A charcoal fire. Charcoal fire is only mentioned two times in the entire New Testament. John 13, John 18 rather, when Peter denies Jesus, and right now. Jesus prepares this fish and bread and he feeds them. Of all the things Jesus could do, he feeds them. He fed people miraculously, multiplied fish and bread in his public ministry. He feeds them at the Last Supper. He has now risen from the dead. He feeds them. He then, after they've eaten, he talks to one person. To whom does he speak? Peter. He asks Peter a question. Do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. He asks Peter a second question. What's the second question? 
Superb. Peter, do you love me? The same question. Yes, I love you. He asks him a third time a question. What's the question? Peter, do you love me? Three times. Charcoal fire. What was Peter asked three times before at the charcoal fire? You guys are so perfect. Did someone give you a copy of this beforehand? Because you guys, really? He's asked three times at a charcoal fire, believing he's a disciple of Jesus. Are you his disciple? He denies it. Jesus comes back and he enters into the depth of Peter's failure at a charcoal fire. Jesus so loves Peter that he wants to get into exactly what he did wrong and give him the opportunity three times. Do you love me? And this time, Jesus, after he says he loves me, he says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, which he knows means take care of my people. Jesus then says to Peter, when you were young, you dressed yourself, you did whatever, you went where you wanted to go. In the future, someone else is going to stretch out your hands and dress you, and you're going to go where you don't want to go. The gospel writer says this indicates the kind of death Peter will experience. Later in his life, Peter is going to be crucified because he does live as Jesus' disciple. And then at the conclusion of the whole thing, what does Jesus now say to Peter? Anyone catch it? Follow me. Now Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Why can't I follow you? Peter asks at the Last Supper, because you are weak, because you're limited, and Jesus has not risen from the dead yet. Nobody can follow Jesus as a disciple until he rises from the dead and he breathes that power into people. Peter is like everybody else. Before Jesus rises from the dead, he has no way to really follow Jesus. When Jesus does rise from the dead, breathe the Holy Spirit into Peter and begin to feed Peter week by week with his body and blood in the Eucharist, then Peter is ready to follow Jesus. I hope you can relate to Peter, particularly those of us who are adults, as much as I can. I am a sinful person. I don't like the idea of Jesus's passion. I think I'm a great Christian, and it turns out I'm very limited, I'm very sinful. During Lent, many of us got much more honest about this. We got much more honest with Jesus about our sinfulness. He has risen from the dead. The grace of his resurrection is in a new way alive on this planet. The time is now to accept that he knows every detail of your failure, every detail of your denial, and he's risen from the dead, and he is here, and he asks you, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? If the answer is yes, he feeds you, and he tells you, feed my sheep. It's such a powerful bunch of scripture passages this Sunday. That's what you guys are meant to do, all of us are meant to do, beginning this Sunday for the rest of our lives. 
to come here to Jesus. Maybe I don't clearly recognize him during the week all the time, but when I come here, it becomes clear who he is. He has prepared a table for us, and he's prepared food that he's going to give us, not bread and fish, his entire self in this sacrament of the Eucharist. What he gives us week by week is his entire self in this Eucharist. And I encourage you to do this when you receive communion today. You guys and anyone else who appropriately can receive communion, go back to your seat and hear Jesus ask you, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I hope the answer is yes. And then hear him say, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Get out of here and do what I tell you to do. That's how salvation grows in us week by week until hopefully we're at his eternal banquet, totally in love with him and living his love eternally. I am so happy for you who are going to receive Jesus fully for the first time in this Eucharist. And I am so looking forward with you to follow him. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.